Howdy, and welcome back to Point of Rentals, The Front Porch. Sit back, get comfy, and prepare to learn more about the people that you may see or hear about, but just haven't found the time to connect with. If you haven't stopped by before, you can find the rest of our conversations with pointers and friends in the rental industry at pointerrental.com porch. I'm Lauren Jewell, and let's get started. Welcome to The Front Porch with Lauren Jewell. So our guest today is Point of Rentals Senior Accountant, Mrs. Holly Emmons. Holly, it's good to have you here. It's good to be here. So let's just go over some basics. Who are you? Where are you from? What is it you do here? Well, I've um, been at Point of Rentals for 15 years, and I started out when we only had 10 employees and managed everything with the money, pretty much. Uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable, payroll, human resources, kind of oh. lots and lots of hats. Okay. Because, you know, we just weren't big enough to need um, a whole, a whole department. department. Yeah. Right. And then just kind of grown with the company and, and seen a lot of changes and a lot of new people. And it's a focus now where I am overseeing the accounting department um, for the U.S., and a lot of the same roles, except that Sarah fortunately took over HR and payroll. Mm. So I'm um, more on the finance side with accounts payable, accounts receivable, and just the financial uh, aspects of the company. So you're able to kind of focus in and specialize in one area yes. rather than kind of feeling spread thin and doing a whole bunch of mini hats. Yes. What was your first live concert um, and where was it? It was Doobie Brothers. Mm. And it was at Reunion Arena in Dallas, okay. which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I know I've heard of the Doobie Brothers, um, but I couldn't tell you any of their songs. Do you remember any of them? Well, if you go way back, there were things like Blackwater, and then more in my teenage years when um, Michael McDonald was part of the group, and they did Minute by Minute, and... Uh, what a fool believes. I don't know. Very, that's a couple that come to mind. Can you sing a few no. lines of it? Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Just thought I would ask. <laughs> <laughs> Did you grow up wanting to be an accountant? No, my dad was, and I would help him sometimes when he'd bring work home with mm -hmm. just simple, like in second grade. You'd be like, "Here, Dad, let me do some checks." And but you know, he would. <laughs> of course, debits and credits. You, you realize, you know, I grew up in the seventies, so. Um, when he brought stuff home and nothing was a lot less <laughs> computerized, right. but he would bring home things that, ledgers that just needed to be added up. Hmm. and Math practice. And it was just calculator. It was just, you know, adding up ledgers and putting mm -hmm. a total on it. But yeah, I would hmm. help him with stuff. What I really thought I wanted to be when I grew up, I thought I wanted to be a meteorologist. Really? Yeah, I thought I wanted Predicting to forecast the weather. The weather. Yeah, okay. I did. That. I didn't go that direction. Mm. Did you go to like school or anything for it? That was no. just kind of what you that wanted to be. That was kind of like when you stood up in front of the kindergarten you know, class, you're like, I'm going right. to be a meteorologist. When you were 10, 11, 12, and you know, I thought I could stand in the yard and I could go which way the wind is blowing and look at the clouds and go, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. And I thought mm -hmm. I was, you know, I had it all together. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it would rain and I'd be like, <laughs> I forecast that. Um, <laughs> Practically Pocahontas. But yeah, before. Yeah, it was really before you started getting into high school and really thinking about what do I want to do. Right. Math has always been my love. Um, 
But which, where, how did I want to focus that? Did I want to focus it on computers? Did I want to focus it on business? Did I want to focus on finance? Mm -hmm. And um, I initially thought I wanted to focus on computers, and I started out going to school uh, for a math degree with a minor in computer science. Um, I decided at some point when I took assembly language, which is the language that's all about zeros and ones, mm -hmm. that was way more than I wanted to know about computers, <laughs> and that probably was not for me, although I do did then and still enjoy aspects of, of programming. I don't know current languages, but it was something I, I felt like I was I did well at. So when you walked into our office here and you saw those zeros and ones on the wall, were you able to read that? No. That meant? No. No. See, that's where I stopped. I said, nope, I don't want to know that much. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So basically, so I guess your love of math kind of started with your dad just mm -hmm. kind of showing you this is what math is and it's very... Math is, is one of those things in life that's it's very clean, and there's like it's very always a solution. Yes, yeah, there's an answer. There, there, it's not subjective. Mm -hmm. It's it's you know you, there's an answer. Right. Mm -hmm. There's always a right. There's a right answer and there's a wrong answer, and mm -hmm. it's very clean. Yeah. Mm, I think when I think I was not a math person. I'm still not a math person. Um, <laughs> I can do it, but it, I think it, it frustrates me whenever I do get it wrong, and it's like. I have to continue to work it out until I get it right. And that, that whole refining process just always frustrated me as a kid. If you kind of had all these different paths that you saw mm. that math could lead you to, what kind of made you little, I really more or less fell into it. Okay. Um, after I graduated from college, uh, what, I, what I went into, my degree actually is math with a concentration in statistics. Okay. Thinking that I would do something um, in actuarial services, which is, I don't know if you know what that is, but um, deals a lot with um, probabilities and life expectancies and and what that would look like. Insurance companies employ actuaries mm -hmm. to assess risk to a certain person in right. their life and lifestyle. And, mm -hmm. and I thought that's what I would do. And I actually did go to work initially uh, for a company in their actuarial services department. Mm -hmm. Um, not long after that, I left the workforce to travel with my husband. After I had quit to do that, we started having children, and I stayed home with my children until they mm. were junior high, high school, gotcha. and then re-entered the workforce, which I did, for the most part, with Point of Rental. I had had a couple of smaller jobs prior to, but um, this was the main job, re-entering the workforce. Okay. What was that transition like? Well, I had done some things. I mean, I had friends that were in accounting and that had needed, um, they needed help. I needed a part-time job. They needed help. Yeah. So I started helping them out. Okay. Um, my my dad, uh, having been, been an accountant, he kept meticulous books at home. But um, early in around 2000, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's mm. and he began to forget how to do things and relied on me a lot yeah. to come in and pick up the slack where he hadn't mm -hmm. been able to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was that entry to accounting mm -hmm. that then led me, when I was looking for that full-time position, looking more for mm -hmm. a business or accounting-type finance position, right. which which led me here. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you ended up doing accounting um, to help your dad, and then yeah. you were just like, well, I've got the skills. Like, right. I might as well just continue with mm -hmm. this. That's great. And it had been way, way too long since I'd done statistics to go back yeah. to that. 
I took one statistics class like three years ago, and if you asked me to do anything with that, I'd be like, ah, give me six months to refresh. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Holly, should we take a quick break? Sure. All right, let's do that. Spoilers. They're terrible, but people that won't allow you to talk about the thing you just saw because you'll spoil it for them are also frustrating. Why, it's nearly impossible to have a conversation these days. But you can talk to your point of rental software without worrying that it'll reveal key plot points to the movies or TV shows you haven't seen. Our software is physically unable to talk. So even if it's seen the movie before, it'll never spoil a moment or ask to stifle your excitement. When you need to talk, you can count on Point of Rental Software. Welcome back to Point of Rental's The Front Porch. We're here with Holly Emmons, the accounting manager. So other than counting numbers and doing math and statistics, um, before Point of Rental, did you have any other kind of hobbies? Well, I think a lot of people know that I spend a lot of my spare time working for the Rangers, for the Texas Rangers. Mm. Um, and that baseball is a love. Um, I started working for the Rangers in 2000, which was four years before I started working here. Okay. And uh, I've just enjoyed that a lot. It's just combined my love of baseball, my love of stats, my love of numbers, everything in one place. Hmm. And I don't have to buy a ticket to the game. They pay me to go. That was the thing. (laughs) I wanted to go to Ranger games, and I wanted season tickets, and I really couldn't afford to buy season tickets, so I always have kind of joked around that I just found a way for them to pay me to be there. Right. (laughs) And it's been very, very nice um, to to have that experience and and be with those people and work the games. Mm. So what is it that you do at the Rangers games? Uh, Well, I started out in the manual scoreboard when there was a manual scoreboard at Globe Life. Mm. Park. So taking the giant numbers. The giant metal numbers, you know, uh, keeping track of the sports ticker. So I'm picturing like summertime, outdoors. Very hot. Okay. Did you have to wear gloves? Yes. On the day games, for sure, because the sun was just shining down on those numbers and heating them up. And (laughs) we could not handle them without. And we would use batting gloves. Mm. And usually the batting gloves we used were brought to us by the visiting team pitchers because they had to walk through the out-of-town scoreboard to get to the visiting bullpen. So they would just And we like, would talk with them as they would come through. Oh, and neat. And everyone, you know, we'd get one that was really nice, and they would, you know, they would drop off batting gloves or whatever. One one player in particular comes to mind, Jose Mesa. Okay. He, I don't remember who he pitched for, various teams. Um, but he was just always super, super nice to all of us. And would sit back there with us and talk with us through the games and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah we used to we used to call him Joe Table because you know that's Jose Mesa oh Joe Table yeah sure <laughs> yeah so he is Joe Table and uh, yeah he was one of the great ones but then I moved inside and uh, started working in the scoreboard control room and have okay. done various things there from character generation to speed pitch to instant replay uh, operations and most recent, uh, the, well, the ribbon panels, which have all the crowd prompts like make noise and player intros. Right. And then most recently, it takes me back to my stats and um, I pull player statistics, mm-hmm. uh, situational stats. I'm watching the game, seeing what's going on in the game and uh, 
uh, pulling pulling the stats that would say, hey, this player does really well against a right-handed batter, I mean right-handed pitcher, or this player does really well when the bases are loaded, not so great when the bases are empty, And mm-hmm. but I'm pulling those stats and getting them ready for the director to display on the scoreboards if he chooses to. Okay. Uh, but I'm just kind of watching the game and, and looking for those situations and pulling those stats. Hmm. I guess I, I never realized that there were people that were sitting there that were actually doing that. I just kind of figured it was just kind of like an automatic, like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll show the stats now, or, oh, we'll send the ribbon banner, you know, yeah. let's make some yeah. noise now, just based on the time of day. So there are actually people there that are, you know, watching the game and like, okay, we need to get the crowd more excited now. Right, mm-hmm. right. Right, That's and great. so there's a director that determines what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and then, of course, a producer that's kind of over the whole team, and uh, yeah, and it's just it's just been fun to, mm-hmm. to be a part of all that. If I wanted one of those big numbers from the scoreboard, um, like just like a giant number seven, um, how, how would I acquire <laughs> one? That's a very good question because I've been trying to do the same thing. Really? <laughs> Yes. Um, I know that several years ago, after they got rid of the manual scoreboard, they the Rangers have this fan fest every winter. And I know they were selling off a lot of those numbers. Hmm. And I happened to be working fan fest that year, but I didn't have any cash on me. And I, I thought, oh, I really would love to have one of those numbers. And I sure. didn't do anything about it. But I did ask my boss um, <laughs> on in that last homestand, you know, knowing the ballpark was closing down essentially yeah. for baseball, I asked him about that, and uh, I think the numbers are pretty much all gone. But that was the one thing I thought, if I could have one memory from the ballpark, right. I'd love to have one of those numbers. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite walk-up song for any of the Rangers? Because I'm sure you hear, like, the same ones over and over again. We do. Again. But, I mean, I have, you know, when you have favorite players, you tend to like their walk-up music. Right. Um, so who was your favorite Rangers player? Well, I always liked Adrian Beltre and mm-hmm. um, Ian Kinsler. Mm-hmm. He was one of my favorites until he <clears throat> left Texas and wished the Rangers to lose 160 games. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he kind of fell out of favor then. Mm. I hear that uh, you went to band camp at least once. Well, I actually didn't go to band camp, mm. but I was in band. I started playing flute in fifth or sixth grade Mm -hmm. and just continued that through my junior high and high school years. Mm -hmm. I picked it up again after college, after I had um, had my son, Mm -hmm. got involved with my church orchestra and and played, and that led to getting involved with a community band with Mountain View College, and I did that for several years and only stopped that when I um, ended up needing rotator cuff surgery, and then it was a little hard to lift the flute imagine yeah and I mean I could go back to it I just haven't so maybe you need to learn like do you know how to do read instruments you can maybe do like the uh oboe or the clarinet yeah, or something I, I did try oboe for a while I don't own an oboe mm. so it's and it's it's hard to get good reads for an oboe <laughs> <laughs> but I did try oboe for a while but uh, I'm probably better off sticking with flute piccolo okay yeah good to know because I do I do I have heard um Little whispers, they are trying to get a point of rental band together. So uh. <laughs> I'll be sure to put your name down on the list for something there. Um, okay, well, hold your horses. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I wish I were somewhere warm. 
Wow, where am I? You're at Point of Rentals International Conference in Fort Worth, Texas. This place is amazing. You too can enjoy Point of Rentals International Conference this November. Register today at conference.pointofrental.com to reserve your space for extended software education, one-on-one -on -one learning, industry networking, great food, and fun. That's conference.pointofrental.com. How did you come across Point of Rental? You know, I just came across the job posting and applied for it. So what made you decide on, on software when you were going through the career builder, you know, online searching? Honestly, I was, I was looking for things that would fit my qualifications and that yeah. were not too terribly far from my home. Mm -hmm. And in Point of Rental fit that. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it really was You weren't a part location. of the rental industry. You weren't a, point, a part of no. software no. gurus. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, same. And, and, <laughs> and because, you know, that wasn't my field, it didn't, you know, when you're doing accounting, bookkeeping, finance, whatever, it doesn't really matter what field you're in. Sure. You're, you it's, know, a, it's nuts and bolts. The numbers across. are still numbers. Yeah. It's just how do you apply them <laughs> for the different industries. Right. But, math is math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually on vacation in California and got a phone call from Bob Schaefer mm -hmm. wanting to um, just have a brief phone conversation and set up an interview and come to find out he was actually in California as well um, doing um, an installation for a customer. Mm -hmm. And we were both in the L.A. area. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> I think I took him by surprise. I said, I'm in L.A. You want to meet here? <laughs> and he, he's kind of deferred. He says, no, let's schedule this for when we're – and actually, he had me interview with Wayne. Um, oh. I didn't um, have the face-to-face -face with Bob. I mm -hmm. had the face-to-face -face with Wayne. What is your favorite part of working at Point of Rental? I like working for Wayne. Mm -hmm. He cares very much about the company and his employees and does as much – I mean, does what he can to – take care of his employees and make this um, a great company to work for. I like the diversity that I have had. There are times that although I, you know, although I'm a numbers person and there is that finite answer to everything, every once in a while I get to go off onto something else that gives me a chance to do, you know, let my creative side out a little bit. Sure. Um, so I do like that it's not that mundane routine all the time that it there's variety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, just as humans, we're not we're not robots. We can't just do mm. the exact same thing every day. So it is nice to have um, a bit of creativity mm -hmm. that you can have in your work and and, and pride in your work in that. Mm -hmm. When it's different projects and you're able to take that on, so yeah, I, I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in your future with Point of Rental? Well, just the continued growth and success of the company and my part in that. But I. I'm getting to the point where I'm having to think more about planning towards, I mean, I don't see it in the next couple of years by any means. It's probably 10 years down the road, but uh, something that I think about is uh, what does that retirement look like? Yeah. Okay. So what is, I mean, we are entering into a new decade. So yeah, what does is, what is the whole next decade or two look like? Mm -hmm. What is the biggest difference between working at Point of Vernal in 2004 and working at Point of Rental in 2019. I know we've established we went from 10 people to, what, 160-something, 180 people. Besides the size, mm -hmm. just the global focus, mm -hmm. where in 2004, 
same ownership was content to be a U.S. company and sell the product, you know, sell it within the U.S. Mm -hmm. and and be responsive and service our U.S. customers um, and just not a, didn't seem to be a lot of interest in expanding that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really when, when, when Wayne took over the company and probably even with the hiring of Greg Bennett to change that focus and make us more of a global company. Uh, and I think that's been really the, the biggest change is that focus from U.S. and local to mm-hmm. a, a global yeah. Focus. Seeing the vision expanding. Right. You know, Australia, UK, South Africa, all right. that that's going on yeah. now that mm-hmm. in 2004, we wouldn't have dreamed of trying to take that on. Yeah. It's my understanding that you used to go to the ARA shows when you first started here, um, back when the company was much smaller. Um, is there anything that you miss about going to the show or are you more than happy to stay home and, and send out everyone else? I did enjoy going to the shows. First of all, when, we, when you were at the show, the employees that were there were very much like family. And, you know, you had your dinners together. And, I mean, you lived with people for the three or four days you were there. Right. And I, I really enjoyed that time to be with my coworkers and get to know them better and spend time with them away from work. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like band camp. <laughs> <laughs> I liked um, the setup and teardown of the booth. Um, I do kind of like to assemble things, and I enjoyed the user meetings and getting to meet some of the people that I had spent time with on the phone. I'd heard their voice forever Mm -hmm. and didn't have a clue what they looked like, and getting to meet those people at our user meeting Mm -hmm. um, before the show started was I uh, always, always enjoyed that. It was my job to welcome people to the booth, mm-hmm. find out uh, what region of the country they lived in, who would be their sales rep, and to hopefully, if their sales rep was available, hand them off to their sales rep for a demo. Mm-hmm. But it was just more of that greeting uh, the prospective customers as they would come into the booth to uh, direct them to the appropriate person. Hmm. Yeah. That- that sounds like what um, my role coming up at the ARA is mm. going to be like. Yeah. So do you have any advice for how to be, you know, the best greeter at the ARA? Uh, no, you just keeping your eyes open and roving the booth and making sure no one is um, excluded on the outside. Right. You know, you find those people, everyone is so, you know, our booth is always one of the busiest booths and everyone is always talking to someone and you have people you notice they're walking up, and you just have to be aware and try to grab those people that are not forceful enough to push their way yeah. into the booth, the and try to yeah, and just try to you know strike up that conversation and bring them into the booth. You are now another pointer who's had the opportunity to work with their spouse. <laughs> you mentioned Russell earlier. Um, did that happen because you requested it, or over your objections, or kind of a combo of the two, somewhere in between? <laughs> I never wanted it to be an issue that my spouse worked here. Right. Um, I thought he could work here and do a very good job. Mm-hmm. You know, he's spent 30 years in sales before coming to Pointer mm-hmm. Rental, and I thought he could come in and do an excellent job with sales. But I never wanted to be wanted it to be an issue that he was my husband. Right. And uh, I'm very happy that he's here and working here. Um, there was a lot of negotiation for that to happen, sure. but... Uh, um, as long as we can keep it where no one feels any pressure from me about him and nobody feels any pressure from him about me. And it's as if we 
are not married while we're here, I think that's that's the best way to work it out because it's just, I mean, it can just cause problems when you have family members working together, and I just have never wanted that to be a problem for for anyone to have feel a problem with us working here, both of us working here. I think I've even heard a lot of people that have said like, "Wait, they're married!" Like (laughs) I didn't even know that. Like same last name didn't even clue in. So. Guess you'll have done a pretty good job of that then. Yeah. Any advice for people who are thinking of working with their spouses? Well, it works for us, I think, because we're in different departments. I don't know if you worked in this. Some people work with their spouse in the same, I mean, they're work truly working together day by day by day. Right. And uh, 24-7, <laughs> 365. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it works for us people. because we're, you know, we're in different departments. We have sure. different responsibilities and we do have to interact from time to time. Mm-hmm. But and at the end of the day, you can ask, oh, how was your day, honey? How's your yeah, day? I mean, because he's, he's done his thing. I've done my thing. Yeah. And, and uh, it's it works that way. Five important questions. Five important questions. Five important questions. What would you say is your greatest success in life? Just being in a position where I can help my mom and, you know, watching my kids grow up and be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, those things mean a lot to me. Kind of seeing the impact that each generation mm-hmm. makes and kind of the hope that you see right. in the future yeah. based off that. Yeah. That's great. What is your most embarrassing moment as a pointer? I made a comment, which was in reference to a children's television program, but it was taken out of context because most of the people in the room had never heard of the telev- of the children's program. Okay. <laughs> and it just led to some embarrassing moments. So uh, am I allowed to ask what the children's program well, was? Well, the children's program was called Mr. Peppermint. Okay. And apparently it was a local to DFW. Oh, okay. Earl Sherman knew what I was talking about. Good old Earl. So (laughs) I at least had him packing me up. Uh Uh-huh. But Mr. Peppermint, this I don't even know. I just don't know that I really want to tell this story. On the program, he had several different characters. He had this little bear puppet that was called Muffin. He um, He had a little box where um, with a with a hole in it, so he, he had a worm. It was it was a, like this worm puppet. Okay. So it was, and it was Mr. Wiggly. Okay. And it was like a sandbox, and so you gloved hand mm-hmm. come up, you know, and Mr. Wiggly worm. And we were at this restaurant, and the tablecloth had a hole in it, mm-hmm. and I made some comment, and uh, you know. Nobody knew what Mr. Wigglyworm was, and they took it completely out of context, if okay. you can imagine. I, yeah, I can. <laughs> I mean, it's, I can still remember the look on Wayne's face when I, when I made some, and I was just like, I couldn't even imagine what I had said, because in my mind, <laughs> it was like, a children's television, yeah. and it was so innocent, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it just it, went, it completely, out it went completely out of proportion, and yeah. Yeah, that took it took a little bit to die down mm. just from that group that was at dinner that night. <laughs> mm. So let's say that it is um, now illegal to make reference to children's television shows, <laughs> and now essentially you're sentenced to death. Um, it's yeah, it's 
pretty morbid. intense, but yes, rather morbid. But really just to get to this very important question, um, what would your last meal be? And you could just have like massive sundae with all sorts of toppings on it. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, so. Just like large proportions of whatever meal yeah, you would want. Yeah. You could just have the ice cream and the brownies and the caramel of... sauce and the chocolate and the nuts and the whipped cream. And then, you know, if you if that wanted to be dessert and you wanted to go before that with, you know, the steak and the baked, the loaded baked potato and and all that. But yeah, I just, I would think of, I would want the one thing that maybe I'm not eating because it's not healthy. Mm, sure. And then just have that because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Just go with a bang. <laughs> yeah. Steak, loaded baked potato, world's largest sundae with all the toppings. With everything on it, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Mm. And it has to, you know, have almost like the molten lava. you got to have the really gooey brownie right. underneath it yes. with everything. Yeah, or else the sundae isn't worth it. Yeah. Because yeah. then you get to the bottom of it and you're like, mm. Okay. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Mm. Nervous habits. Nervous habits? Mm. Flicking your fingers? No, like... <laughs> Uh, messing oh, with my fingers. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, I always do that too. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Just messing with your fingernails. Yeah. I would yeah. love to not ever do that yeah, again. Just but, not have to fidget. But I do. Just be completely still. <laughs> Tell me something that is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. You have some of the best you, reactions. You need to ask. You need to ask. You need to ask Russell these questions because he's the one with the strong opinions. Oh. I just sit there and go. Okay. Whatever you think, that's fine. Okay, we can move on. To the next yeah, one. sorry. Okay, so please tell me a secret about point of rental. Poor Joe, I don't think he'd been here a year, and they put him in that van to a school bus to drive it to the ARA show because we never hired anyone to move for us. We we would get a van or a truck or whatever, and we would load it up ourselves. We'd truck it to the show, and we would unload it and set it up. And I mean. If we could avoid the forklift union, we would, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what it was. I mean, we just did it all ourselves. Right. And, and uh, they had that school bus that they had shoe polished out the windows. <laughs> ah. So you couldn't see in because all that, that equipment yeah. was in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then Joe gets to the Hoover Dam and it's not too long after. It's 2004, 2005. The... Not too long after 9-11. Yeah, not too long after 9-11, and, and security was tight. And you here you have Hoover Dam, mm -hmm. which if something happened to Hoover Dam, the flooding, everything that would happen. So he gets to the dam, and they won't let him cross without thoroughly inspecting that van and everything that's in it. Mm -hmm. And um, his option was to unload the van and let them inspect everything and load the van back up, or take a several-hour detour to go around and not have to cross the dam. Mm -hmm. And uh, he opted. He was driving by himself? Mm -hmm. Okay. And he opted to um, take the detour because he was not going <laughs> to load that van by himself gotcha. and, get it, uh, yeah. and load it back up. 
So who is the next pointer that I should talk to for this podcast? Lisa Wessinger, Melanie Tarby, um, Sarah, Ted. <laughs> I'll probably be in trouble for that one. Really? Why? <laughs> well, I mentioned that I was coming over here to do this, and mm-hmm. he was like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it makes me want to interview him even more. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't I didn't give you his name if you oh, do that. Oh, okay. That's not recorded anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did, I'm taking it back. I'm not suggesting uh, Okay, yeah. not Ted. Not Ted. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Holly, for chatting today. It's been a delight talking with you. Um, and to all pointers listening, send, um, send her some love this week. Stop by her desk. Challenge her to a bean counting contest. Um, and send him a gif of your favorite accountant in a popular television show. Um, just let her know that she care. Um, I hope this podcast encourages you to reach out to the people around you, get to know them, go to lunch with them, and share your stories. You never know what you may learn. Thanks for listening today. We'll keep the porch light burning for you. You get answers from people on these things?